0: Tell me what you think of this. Stuart Ashens is an actor, screenwriter, comedian and YouTuber. His 1.6 million subs transcend generations and he has a worldwide following. He also has in the region of 600 million viewers across his channels. That would probably be enough views to go around the earth many times if that sort of thing was possible, but it is not. Ashens reviews low quality products and knockoffs. He eats suspects' foodstuffs, and he makes video shorts that are humorous but also convey messages that critique our perception of the modern world. The only thing in his Wikipedia page that I did not copy was that he will basically do any podcast for anybody because he's a nice bloke and will probably do it for the promise of a bottle of Fanta in the near future. So welcome along to the podcast, Stuart Ashens.
1: <laughs> nice. I'm going to have to point one thing out, though. Yes. i have got my surname wrong.
0: Okay. Your surname is? Ashen. Ashen. Oh, crikey.
1: There's no S on it. See, unfortunately, this is a rod I've made for my own back by using Ashen's as the handle. But it's Ashen S, as in Ashen Stewart, or belonging to Ashen. How about Which I thought that? was clever at the time. And then two minutes later, I was like, well, fuck, now everyone's going to think the surname's Ashen's. Well. And, uh, yeah, that's entirely my fault, so I apologise for that.
0: Well, that's a showbiz fact, so I will keep that intro in now, actually. With, with, uh, with that, because, um, yeah, I, ne- I never never actually realised, so, I, yeah, Stuart Ashen, of course, of course, so, um, well, I hope everything else is uh, okay in the intro there, i just, uh, but get, get, getting the name wrong of the guest is probably, um, one, will stand out in my podcasting career, <laughs>
1: It's not your fault. That's entirely me for setting up such a confusing situation.
0: So how did that come about then? You what were you just setting up a um, was that your first YouTube channel or, or something you were setting up to, to, to get that monkey? Up?
1: Uh basically it was my first logon for the computer system at um where where my first job was, Ash and S. Simple as that, and I thought, oh, I'll use that for something because you can't use. I was just normally I'd stick in like my surname or something, but nothing would accept Ashen because it's an actual word, and there's always like the you know the dictionary behind the scenes. It's like you can't have that as a username because it's a word. They don't seem to care about that these days, but back in the sort of nineties, that was a thing. So um, I just put in Ashen S or Ashens, yeah, and uh, I've confused everybody with it ever since.
0: <laughs> and where was that first job for the uh, for the, for the computer?
1: That was at Norwich Union, as so many people in Norwich worked at. Yeah,
0: uh, Large employer in that Nicola of woods, I'd imagine. Now now Aviva.
1: That is true, yes. Yeah, I was there when it changed over, and they paid a fortune for the new name, and there's a woman's clothes shop about five minutes' walk from their head office called Aviva. Well, there was. <laughs> <laughs> like, mm, I wonder where they got that from. <laughs>
0: Oh, so yeah. So you, you've obviously there was a life before um, you. You sort of um, became like a, a, a big a big figure in, in YouTube and Twitch. So um, what was your first dalliance with technology, uh, Stuart? I'll be I'll be interested to know. I've been asking a lot of people, and they've um, you, know, it, you know basically the first thing you were, you were dicking around with. You know, was it like a tape recorder or something?
1: Oh, it probably was. Actually, that's a good point. I had one of those um, single-deck ghetto blaster things, like a cheap one. That had a microphone on it, and I can remember recording stuff into that. What I recorded, though, I have no idea. Probably just reading things out of joke books or something. My God. Um, but I was one of those people who was always obsessed with seeing stuff on the screen and wondering how you can make things happen on the screen. So video games for that was just such an obvious lead-in, you know. My sister says when I was a kid I was always hanging off like the Pac-Man machines in pubs and things, but um, too young to actually play it or understand it. But just that sort of obsession with, Ooh, what's going on with that? How do, How do I make that a thing, you know? Which has pretty much led into liking video games a lot, and then making videos and films and anything else, really. I suppose
0: your curiosity with uh, how things work—that's uh, that—that's um, quite quite an allegory. Were you always um, were you always too short to actually see the screen on the Pac Man like I was? Um, the, 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 <laughs> the, the use of a crate was needed.
1: <laughs> I don't remember. I, I think I wasn't allowed to play them because you had to put money into them. So um, that was the end of that. But then, when we were a bit older, and I could actually go to like the arcades of Great Yarmouth and stuff, that was that was a very different situation because obviously, back in the day, the arcades were everything. You know, they had all the games that you couldn't get at home, and if you were very lucky, three years after their release, you'd get some god awful version on the Spectrum, which half the time wasn't particularly playable or accurate to the original. So, yeah, going to the arcades was big stuff.
0: Hmm. i completely agree with that being brought up in a seaside town myself um and owning a spectrum the um the, the you had the disappointment of uh losing 10p every every four seconds on the machine then you had the added <laughs> disappointment of actually loading it up on your spectrum uh for, as you know like bubble bubble as your as your birthday present and uh being completely underwhelmed by it to be fair it's, i think it's like actually a, a bit of a curse to be close to close to the real machine's do you know, I would put Bubble Bubble down as one of the better
1: conversions, actually. The Speccy plays that pretty well. Um, Chase HQ being possibly the greatest. R-Type's pretty good as well. And then once you get away from those... <laughs> Although somebody made a case with me the other day, and I think they might be right, that Renegade on the spectrum is one of the best arcade conversions ever made because it's better than the arcade machine. It's actually far more playable. They just tweaked it to the point where... It's more fun to play, but then does that make it a worse conversion because it's not accurate to the original? I don't know. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's quite quite fascinating. In fact, Renegade. um, If it was, um, never actually saw that machine down uh, where I was. I saw many machines, but uh, Renegade never actually made made it down uh, in in any way at all. But I was um, I was equally impressed with the graphics on that on the um, on on the Spectrum, and. um, target renegade wasn't too bad either when i got it to work
1: <laughs> target renegade is tremendous a real technical achievement for the time as well and we don't mention renegade 3 because sadly it exists but um, there's nothing we can do about that now
0: yeah, is that is that jurassic renegade if i remember rightly oh
1: god it starts off there yep then he travels through time to various other disappointing time periods and you don't get enough of a time limit to finish the game and it's no fun anyway and Everything involved with it is awful, except possibly the music.
0: That's what I love about nostalgia. All these lovely positive memories. To... <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, you can't get the rose tinted spectacles out. You've got to be accurate to this stuff.
0: No, that's sure. Were you always a Spectrum owner, or did you sort of um, you know, move on to 16-bits or consoles after that?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, originally, my uncle gave me a Commodore VIC-20 when he bought a Commodore 64, I'll be honest, this was like 1986, and the VIC-20 was very sort of out of date there. But we we had some fun with it, with the games he had on that. But I was just hanging off for um, birthday and Christmas that year, because my birthday's just before Christmas. So you always got one present, and that was for birthday and Christmas. Damn you, calendars. or um, tight relatives, really, I suppose. <laughs> um, but I was getting a Spectrum for Christmas that year, so that was sort of the big excitement. And got um, one of Mr. Sugar's... Uh, 128K plus two spectrums of the built-in tape deck. And that was the end of that. I just spent every waking moment playing on it, you know. Um, yeah, had that for years. Then got an Atari ST. because That's what sort of everybody locally had. It's one of those things where if your mates have all got that and you want to get the games, you, you're going to have to sort of get the one everyone's got. Had that for a few years. Uh, then that kind of died on the vine, so to speak. And I, got, I bought a second-hand Amiga 1200 off somebody at school which was brilliant, Um, had a lot of fun with that. Then, god, went for the Amiga, and then built my first PC. My god, which would have been around 1996, I suppose. Um, I've got a job by then, so I could get a Pentium 200 MMX, the um, amazing top chip of the time, and got all the bits and bobs and put it all together, and it actually worked. And I'll always remember running out of money for the case, and having to buy a case cheap off some guy I worked with, and it was brand new and beautiful. But it was a server tower. I don't know if you're aware of a server tower. But it's like literally three foot tall. But <laughs> it was like that's why it was cheap. I'm like, why is this cheaper than the others? Because nobody wants a bloody thing. Because where are you going to put it? So I put everything in this giant case. And I remember the sides of it were all connected. It was just one piece of metal for the top and the sides. And you would take it off, and when it hit something like the side of the case, and you took it off, it would literally ring like a bell because it was so big it'd go like dong.
0: <laughs>
1: for like a sort of full two seconds fading out it was amazing
0: <laughs> so, yeah, so, so it had its own inbuilt sort of like air conditioning ecosystem it had so much space so, oh
1: god there's sp- this space and it was yeah, it spoiled me for the rest of my life every case oh god what? Why is there at least you know fifteen acres in here? I could grow stuff in.
0: Well, with the amount of money that people are spending on things, you want you want it to be big and enormous anyway, even if it's full of air. I guess you know because that, that must have cost you a few quid back in the day.
1: Oh yeah, well the tower itself was cheap. That's why I got it because nobody wanted to do the size. But um, yeah, the other bits. Oh god, it was the processor that was the thing. <clears throat> but I had enough savvy to know that. You didn't want one of the older processors because it's going to be superseded very bloody quickly. And if I get this Pentium 200mmx sort of thing, it's going to last me for years, which it did. So mm. uh, that was mm. a, a wise decision.
0: Yeah, is that the computer that you first went online with as well?
1: Mm, that's a question. It probably is. Mm. Probably is. Yeah, I remember buying a. Uh, God, it had. I think it had a 28. Somebody gave me, like, a 28.8 modem, and it just sort of sat in it. And then one day, we got the CompuServe thing through the post, and I thought, oh, I'll try this. And, yeah, that all worked. I very quickly got a 56K modem back when there were two different technologies, and I bought the wrong technology. <laughs> so that was, that was great. So it didn't, didn't actually connect to any faster than 28.8. I think I got K56 Flex. But then they were all upgraded to 56V2. Oh, I can't even remember the details now, but anyway.
0: Yeah, God. What? A, a always, always learning with computers aren't you that's the main thing always learning <laughs> yeah
1: expensive yeah. Bit lessons as well
0: yeah. yeah yeah so um so i mean i was a bit late to pc so what, what what's on the internet or, or or on the web at that time
1: cool very bloody little i mean like i remember tesco.com was just like a single html page with some pictures of the um, trustees or something you know that was it (laughs) it was just nothing it was a value page yes yes (laughs) (laughs) oh god (laughs) it probably had a similar design by coincidence actually but (laughs) yes before they go into all the value stuff Hmm. possibly um but um yeah it was all the internet still had that weird sort of underground feel to it where it was all put together by hobbyists and weirdos and the companies hadn't really latched onto it at that stage
0: mm mm-hmm. yeah so it's uh well it's like add allegory for most technologies isn't it and as we probably look into later with social media so um it, you're very creative um obviously and and all the way through on your youtube career you've you've used everything to the maximum I mean your first video, which is well what YouTube says is your first video, was sort of like a a role play between two action figures uh was that something that you were sort of like doing? Um, you know, anyway, and you just decided that that would be your first video. Or, I mean, how how did you end up making videos to, to to go on YouTube?
1: That was yeah, that was just me asking about. But with hindsight now, that's clearly inspired by um, Adam and Joe, who used to do the action figure stuff, specifically from a program called Takeover TV. Mm. And I hadn't put this together until. Fairly recently, when I was thinking, oh, remember TakeOver TV? Oh, yeah, Channel 4. People would send in, like, VHS tapes, and then it was mostly presented by Adam Buxton. So he would, like, do one with Joe Cornish, so it'd be an Adam and Joe thing in it, blah, blah, blah. And, um, yeah, I realised recently that was obviously a massive fucking... um, uh, sort of inspiration for me, hugely, hugely so. And it just never clicked to me. I can remember recording, like, all the episodes and watching them over and over again, um, particularly the first episode for some reason. And it just... I'd totally forgotten about it. And then I was looking into it for some reason and it just all came flooding back to me. It was like, oh, my God, that is totally what I was aping in the first couple of YouTube videos.
0: When you made those uh, videos, I mean, would you, you... You'd have never known that you'd be doing it after all this time now with with so many views... Uh, but what what's the most enjoyable sort of genre of video that that you that that, that you make?
1: Oh, that's it do you know it it just changes. Mm. Whatever mood I'm in really. Um the stuff on the sofa obviously is always good. Uh, that's why I'm still bloody doing it. Mm. Uh I enjoy sort of more deep dive type things but I don't do them very often. Partially mm. because I do too much bloody research and it takes forever. Um and i've got a series of something i'm gonna put on patreon soon actually i'm quite excited by those um but it's taken me two years to get the information Mm-hmm. And it's something nobody will care about. It's it's just so <laughs> so absolutely stupidly niche. But that's the great thing about Patreon. You don't have to worry about views or getting hit with a copyright hammer because you used one second of a fart noise that a rapper happens to have sampled once in 1997. You, know. um,
0: you, you sound like you speak from bitter experience there. Oh,
1: God, yeah, that happened very recently, actually. Um, the, the PlayStation uh, startup sound.
0: All right, yes. um,
1: I put it in a video, and I, everything, especially for this type of video, the longer ones, I put up on a spare channel first, and it's like, oh, yep, yeah, good, right? That hasn't been hit with the copyright thing. As soon as I put it on the main channel, bang. Uh, what's his name? Frank Ocean had apparently used that noise in one of his tracks, and so the auto system jumped on it. But I noticed it didn't jump on it on my secondary channel, which doesn't have as many subscribers. Mm. So obviously, there's uh, some sort of setting if you've got this content management system where it's like, "Oh yeah, don't worry about ones below so and so subscribers." But if anything above this level, complain. So that involved mm. a lot of fielding about the last minute, very annoying.
0: Oh, okay, so you have sort of like um sort of like a beta testing channel where you can float fly the kite so to speak and, and see see what happens to it if it gets struck by copyright lightning before you. Um, Go main yep. with it.
1: Just literally the secondary channel where I put the Patreon stuff and we do the advent calendars every year.
0: Not anymore, now I'm going to have to put them on
1: the main channel and make sure not to set them live because apparently if you put it on a different channel, it doesn't always give you the same results.
0: Oh, right. So all, all this stuff really is, is quite a learning curve. I mean, if you've got a small channel and a large channel, which, which you have, do you feel, um, do, do you see that you're treated any differently if you are a larger um, YouTuber or, or a larger partner? The only time I've seen it, actually, is with that
1: um, Frank Ocean thing, because mm-hmm. it completely flew under the radar on extra Ashens, but on the main Ashens, the femto-second it was uploaded, <laughs> mm-hmm. the the bots were on it, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there must be positives as well, but <laughs> that's the only... I've yeah. only seen a negative, sadly. Yeah,
0: so you're more under the microscope, perhaps, if you're a larger, um, yeah. a larger creator. Um, exactly that. Yeah. So I mean you mentioned like differences in your style and I you know I appreciate that I could probably change from you know week to week really. Um but are there you know when you look back are there things that you'd go oh yeah I you know um I certainly wouldn't do that again. Um or or, or anything where you go oh you know I I need to do that that type of thing more.
1: Hmm. Sometimes you will stumble across something that you really enjoy doing and the audience like um, because that's the trick. It's the old thing of you may do something which gets a huge number of views, but if you didn't really want to do it again, you're going to end up in a bad place if you try forcing them out, you know. Mm. So, for me, you've got to have that crossover between, oh, that was fun, but also people were watching it.
0: Mm. Although,
1: admittedly, if I will tend to do things again if I found them fun, even if people weren't watching them, but uh, <laughs> that's just me. I, I, I don't really get into the whole, um, uh, sort of deep dives into the stats and stuff. I try
0: yeah. to avoid that. Yeah. So, well, I mean, how much? Yeah, I mean, how much analysis are you actually doing? And how, how much research are you doing? I mean, with a with um one one of the most popular uh, videos that you've done, and I know it's popular because my my son, who's a lot younger than me, thankfully, um, you know, he he watches your you you as well, and uh, he Uh-oh. said, "Oh, watch this one." So I watched this one, and it was like buying components off of wish to build a pc and and it was a highly highly entertaining but i mean where does where do the ideas come from i mean um is it is it like you you have the idea on on the bus out of norwich and you have to write it down or do you have like a uh, a huge a4 pad just you know idea after idea then you're just working through them
1: Oh yeah i have a big list of stuff Um, but things come to you all sorts of times sometimes you're researching something and you see an interesting offshoot sometimes just something comes to you out of the blue um sometimes you see something oh there's a different take on that um yeah they, they the ideas for these sort of things can come almost out of nowhere sometimes, and sometimes quite obviously off the back of something else. But uh, the trick, as ever, is trying to know which ones you can actually make into a good video, because there's nothing worse than starting a video, and then, oh, no, this doesn't really work, Hmm. you know. I don't think I've ever really had that, but due to the simplicity of the format, I can quite quickly guess if something's going to work or not before I start it, you know.
0: How many videos have you made for YouTube now? Because I actually didn't check that, because it's not all... (laughs) I forgot to. (laughs) 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 That's
1: a good question. Hang on. Let me get the... This will be the the behind-the-scenes number, so some of these may not actually be um, publicly available. Uh, Because, especially if they're old announcement videos, I just take them down. There's no point saying, hey, everyone, I'm going to be at this convention in 2011. You know, it's not really going (laughs) to be particularly useful. I'm
0: really looking forward to 2020. I'm going to do so many events...
1: See, yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be great. Yeah, <laughs> nothing could go wrong. Um, now look at this. I can't actually work out how to count how many I've got. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's useful. I tell you what. Let's just go to Social Blade okay. and see what that says. This is where I find out Social Blade is, is, it,
0: is it more than five, Stuart?
1: Probably at least twelve.
0: At I'm least outside. twelve. Yeah,
1: maybe <laughs> even more than that. Yeah. Hang on. We'll get a number here. This will, a- this will actually be more meaningful, because this will just be the ones that are publicly available.
0: There we are. 920. So how have you managed, out of 920 videos, not to accidentally make the same video twice?
1: Um, I've come remarkably close recently. I've been putting things together to do a video on the Atari Lynx, which I love. But I've been putting it off, because I know once once I've done it, it's done. <laughs> I don't know how to describe that. It's like, oh, I don't get to do link stuff again. Um and I found some obscure stuff to do it. And I mentioned it to a friend and he said, What the fuck are you talking about, you idiot? You've already done it. You did a two part one. I was watching it the other day. Oh, I was like, no. did I? And I'd totally forgotten. Yeah, he's right. I've, obviously I'd done like I've already done the links, just somehow I've forgotten. It's like, oh, nearly did that one twice. But um I think that's the closest I've come as yet.
0: Hmm. See. Do you get many people sort of like um contact you and go oh you've got to do one like this or and you know or or give you suggestions and and how how do you well do you ever take people up on their suggestions and and how do you how do you manage those sort of requests with the people that are uh uh, sort of asking you those sort of things
1: yeah you you get this stuff on twitter occasionally like oh there's a new thing you should do that and often you're like yep already on it or no that won't work for whatever reason really but you yeah you get it all the time but a lot of it is stuff a lot of it is stuff that doesn't exist which is a problem um things like art projects from people like obvious plant who sort of a sort of art comedian who will make a single fake product and hold it up in a shop and it's very funny people are oh you should review that well, i can't <laughs> review it because there's only one in the world and it's not a real thing <laughs> you know so that's that's not a thing so that happens an awful lot and the other one is, this is the most popular at the moment, actually. When something comes up in the news, like, 500-year-old wine discovered. And it's like in a museum. People are like, oh, God, you should try that. I'm like, "I like, A, no, it would kill me. And B, I can't break into the museum and steal their wine. <laughs> you know, that's, that's something that's not going to happen. But um, I used to get a lot of... Um, parcels to a p.o box i used to have a public p.o box and it got mad it got to the point where i was getting like five or six parcels a day to this (laughs) thing and i just couldn't keep up with it you know but unfortunately the vast majority of them were people things people were sending into review that i'd already done Mm. about 50 percent of them i had already done and just you start to feel bad because they've bought this thing i mean that's probably cheap whatever but you know they've had to pay postage and put their time into it and Mm. i've done that mate Maybe you should have done the search before sending that you know you just sort of oh, that's why I, one of the reasons I closed it you know.
0: do you get um with people sending things in is uh, do you get like more nefarious things where people try and like surreptitiously place products to see if you to review them?
1: They weren't very surreptitious about it. I would just occasionally get random things from companies. And they would never contact you... I mean, some of them would contact you first, say, do you want this? Which is a very sensible way of doing it, Mm. because then they don't lose a product, you know. But I remember something that turned up, and I don't know if I still got this, was a weird, like, rubber, sticky membrane keyboard that you put over the screen of an iPad. And so you had some sort of tactile feedback. I always remember thinking, what can I really do with that? And I put it to one side in case I got more weird tablet things, but, um... That never happened, so I don't know if I still got that or not. I hope so, because thinking about it now, it's got a sort of retro feel to it. <laughs> hey, here's some crazy shit that was made in the past for tablets.
0: That's it. Yeah, yeah. Look how that product went. Yeah, that's it. So uh, uh,
1: yeah, everybody's got twelve of them now, haven't they? Yes. Oh wait, <laughs> nobody's even heard of it.
0: Yeah, I guess um, you know a, a company that's trying to get a um, a product review by you would be more legitimate for this question. Um, how how do you deal with the no thank you it's shit sort of uh, line?
1: oh god just don't respond yeah i get christ so many things mostly it's for digital stuff these days but yeah um you you are inundated with these things and i take up less than i worked out the other day less than a third of a percent of offers so 99.7 percent of things i just turned down Um If it's like a small company, I'll always get back so If it's a big company, I don't usually bother because it's just like a PR bloke mm. or something. They don't care, you know what I mean? Mm. But, um yeah, I mean, the most recent one was a an electric bike. Lovely. For this morning, an electric bike. It, it looks cool. It looks like a sort of... Rather than being an electric push bike, it's more a sort of electric um, motorbike type thing. But that's very kind of them. But what can I do with that? You know, I can't, I can't really make a video on that, you know. Um, and... Yeah, I, I, it's just not fair to take it and then not do anything with it.
0: You know, yeah. So, uh, so you get if you get sent a bike and you go, look, no, thank you, I, I really can't do that any justice, but it's really kind of you. Um, are, are you paying to send that back? Oh no,
1: they don't send.
0: No, they send an email asking for something. like oh, that, that. that's and good then. I was, I was Plus, relieved. To nobody stop. knows. <laughs>
1: I don't have the P.O. Box anymore either, so they wouldn't know where to send it. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. But no, if they sent something, yeah, unsolicited goods, mm-hmm. no, they wouldn't get it back. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that ever really happened to anything worth more than fourpence. But
0: no, no. So so what year did you start your YouTube channel?
1: Uh, that was in... Uh, hang on, let's work this out. Was, uh, 2006.
0: 2006, oh, well.
1: Yeah, because we're up to 17 years now.
0: Have you seen a change in in the in, in in the audience in general on YouTube?
1: Yeah, that's always a hard one to answer because you never see the audience, of course, so you're not mm. really sure um what's happening behind the scenes. You just get the stats, you know, which um always seem fairly the same. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I mean, I never read the comments. That's the first thing I'll tell anyone making stuff online. Never read the comments. And everybody starts off reading the comments. Mm-hmm. And then they get to a certain level. They go, the comments are making me ill. And I'm like, I told you not to read them. That's <laughs> human nature, isn't it? So I don't know the big changes there. Um, mm-hmm. Other than when something major happens, like the time they messed up Google+, and people were just copy and pasting massive swastikas and uh, things into all the chat. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to have to ter- do something about that, aren't I? Yeah, the audience must have changed as it's become more mainstream, but I can't tell you really in any depth or detail
0: how. Yeah, it's just an interesting thing that I was thinking about was that if you're a subscriber in 2006 and you're still subscribed now, you're 17 years older, and I was just wondering, you know... um, you, you know you you've got new people that are jumping in, and I think that's probably a really good um, how you know how your channel does sort of appeal to a lot of people. It seems to be a bit of a zeitgeist and a touchstone for a lot of generations. So if you just stick in with like um, Elvis Presley, for instance, you know there's you know the the uh, the supply of Elvis Presley fans slowly diminish over time. So <laughs> oh yeah, I, I was just really sort of thinking from that that point of view, you know. If, You know, your internet users are probably a lot more savvy, or perhaps, I don't know, maybe more cynical or or react less um, now because they've, they've, um, you know, it's just been life for them. They've never known anything other than the internet.
1: Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, The only time I really get details is when I speak to people at events and stuff. But, mm. um, you do come across people who say, oh God, I've been watching you since the start. And I'm like, blimey, that's amazing. 17 years is mad, you know. And then somebody will come along and go, oh God, I used to watch your stuff. And then they kind of go, oh well, yeah, I don't really watch it anymore. And I'm like, well, don't feel bad for not watching the same things you were watching 10 years ago. <laughs> <You know? laughs> not, not at all. Fully understandable. Bless you, you know. Mm. Um, and then, as you say, new people come along as well. Um, I mean, there must be a massive difference in the older to younger generations because of exactly as you said there, some of them grew up with it. For some of them, it was a novelty that became a thing, and that's a very different kind of path into it, isn't it? But maybe it ends up at the same place. I don't yeah.
0: really know. You, you're you on uh, social media. You're, there's a brand new thing called X, um, and I've seen you're on it already and got plenty of uh, followers. Was there ever in a golden age of, of Twitter or when you could just like... You know share away or or have things change in a different way
1: i only really use twitter um, I've, i don't use facebook at all or many of the other ones so yeah anything i say here will, will be quite twitter focused um yeah i mean in the early days it was weird because you suddenly had direct access to sort of famous people so to speak and you mm. could say things to them and they'll go oh yeah cheers i'm glad you like that or oh, yeah, when we were making so-and-so film, you're like, bloody hell, this is Mm. astonishing. I've just got a bit of trivia about a film I like from the director. Mm. You know, this is amazing, you know. Obviously, this has become less over time purely, or largely, because of the amount of people on it. It becomes harder and harder for them to respond to or even see anything, you know, which is completely understandable. But also, kind of, the feel of it has changed now, um, where there's so sort of... You've got that layer of anonymity that some people like to spit abuse from behind, so... Yeah, you can see why people just get fed up of it. And an awful lot of people who were very um, active on Twitter in the early days, sort of celebrity types, now their account is managed by somebody else and they probably haven't looked at it for 20 years. You know, not 20 years. That's before it existed. <laughs> for five years, let's say that. Yeah, it's, it's an odd one, isn't it? Because they've thrown away... When I say they, it's literally one guy, mm. is <laughs> Let's be honest. It's yes. completely at the whims of an incredibly rich and incredibly strange man. Um, who has probably not been told no for thirty-eight years? You know, um, yeah. I don't know if you have ever dealt with even low-level rich people, like sort of millionaires and things. But mm. half sometimes it's like they're a different breed of animal uh, because they they think yeah. and act so differently in certain situations. So I can only imagine somebody like Musk is that amplified to the nth degree. Mm. You know, mm. um, but yeah, they're just throwing away the most one of the most recognizable brands that's ever existed because Mm. he likes the letter X which incidentally you can't search for um, because it's one character (laughs) (laughs) and also in Japan is literally shorthand for no or broken um, and is also closed I mean, Mm. God I don't don't bloody know it's it's a very odd thing
0: Mm -hmm. yeah, if you type in X three times into a search engine uh you you better be doing it inc- incognito. So uh so,
1: yes, don't do that at work, folks. You get three Twitters. Nobody <laughs> un- can deal with that, yeah. un-
0: un- un- unless you're working in a brothel. Uh, so,
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, in which yeah. case just search <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, I think you know, interesting thought on millionaires as well, Stuart. So, um yeah, I I get that, you know, I've 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 dealt with people who have who've had who've, who've who've who have more wealth than I'll get in a lifetime and um a lot of them are nice people but you know there is sometimes an air of that they've 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 defeated life because of because of the amount of money they got and perhaps perhaps the decision process is, is something a bit different to to what we have but uh yeah the
1: example i always give is um we were trying to get some people to fund a film it didn't happen but i end up in a car with sort of um about three of these people all of them well, all of them very, very rich. All of them um, inherited wealth, um, as it almost always is for sort of uh, the proper rich types. Hmm. And we in this car in central London, and we're all just going to park up here. And it parks. And I said, bloody hell, look out. You... Like, there's a £425 fine for parking here. <laughs> and they looked at me like there was something wrong. And it's just, well, that's just how much it costs to park here. <laughs> Like that was the three quid fee for parking here was four hundred and twenty five pounds. So I hate to think how many fines they get because they just don't care about them. Just only going to pay that and it's gone. Yeah, (laughs) but they looked at me like I was some sort of I don't know, um, you know, pauper, street (laughs) urchin type. You wouldn't pay four (laughs) hundred twenty five pounds to park a car, by God, man.
0: You know. Yeah, yeah. It's very much that if you're in the Rolls Royce garage asking how much a tank is, uh, you can't afford one. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So, so yeah. <laughs> exactly that exactly
0: yeah, that. yeah that's it. so um, so looking into the future, then, um, what sort of content do you see people taking and 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 how they take it in the future? Do you see any changes
1: always oh, it, it will always change to an extent, and a lot of it on YouTube is led by what the algorithm likes at that particular time which nobody really knows except when it changes and then you see the effects of it and then people can sort of uh, uh, jump on the back of it, basically. They're like, oh, God, this type of thing is popular. And it it does change so fundamentally because most of the algorithm, which I believe is is officially called... um, Oh, I can't remember the name of it. We always used to call it Search and Destroy, but it's something like Search and Promote. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I might not even call it that anymore. But there's a big machine learning um, aspect to it. So literally Google themselves never quite know what it's doing at any given time. They're always playing catch up to it, you know. Um, but you know, you used to have, be able to put out really long animated videos with a lot of work into them, and they'd get you know huge amounts of views. And then it got suddenly down onto playing video games and talking over them was the next thing with long ones of those. And then none of that worked. And the animation, but the change that killed animation was sort of, literally came in overnight. And mm. you may you can you can almost work it out by looking. Oh my God, these really long animations. People are doing all this work going into them. Oh. They all stopped on one day, you know, or about a month after that day when they realised there was no ad revenue anymore and it wasn't sustainable, you know. Mm. And now currently they're trying to push the shorts, although that's like a different sort of strand for their TikTok thing. I don't really know. Mm. Um... It's a hard There's always going to be something new, and when the something new becomes popular, there'll be a million people doing it. But as ever, some of them will be better at it than others and will get a much bigger audience because they do it in a more engaging and interesting way.
0: Do you see a threat from um, AI to uh, content creators in general or or to yourself? Because um, it seems to be appearing a lot more at the bottom of podcasts. There's riders now that say that the content may be used uh you know maybe ai um originated and if you watch a few things on the history channel you get all these professional describers and all they're doing is really reading off off of some sort of script that could be created by ai do you you see the implications going further in where you could perhaps sort of like just have be in competition just with ai content on on youtube
1: the problem is um, it's very hard to tell even what actual situation it's in at the moment because we're still sort of in the grifting stage of it where the money is to be made from basically putting a front end on something and charging people slightly over the odds for access to ChatGPT behind the scenes you know, mm. and taking a percentage of that. So there's all these sites like, oh, we'll do this and we'll organise that and we'll help you write a novel. A friend of mine used an entire system for... AI writing a novel, the results are unholy. Um, she's a journalist and she's putting putting together this like massive sort of. It's going to end up, I think, in one of the major newspapers. It's it's bloody hilarious for starters. So I didn't realize, obviously, that AI the, the pure. I mean, we keep saying AI, it's not intelligent at all, Like it's it's machine learning, they've just used that as the buzzword, haven't they, but mm. um, it's just scraping, just uh, regurgitating stuff that already exists again and again and again. It starts regurgitating its own stuff, because the more AI stuff there is, the more of it it will scrape. This is a, a big problem in and of itself, <laughs> um, because that causes various problems with the way the algorithms work, um, but also, the stuff they're scraping is often the free stuff, so... When it was coming up with all the creative writing stuff, big air quotes around creative there, a lot of it came from fan fiction, and a lot of fan fiction is pervy and weird. And uh, this, and and when it gets this thing, and sometimes it just runs with it. And she didn't like go in and edit. She was like, right, we're going to let the AI do the whole, uh, well, the, the algorithm, so to speak, do the whole novel. This novel takes a turn, and I haven't seen the latest stuff, but apparently. It, it's absolutely unbelievable. It's basically turned into what may be a fetish novel, but the fetish is so obscure and makes no sense that she's not actually sure, and she's got pages and pages and pages of it. <laughs> so you're like, ah, <laughs> it's going well, this, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. But the the other problem is... Um, chat GPT will just make things up and lie to you because it doesn't understand if something's true or not. Obviously, it's just trying to put words together in a way that fulfills the sort of task it's been given. It, it has no real understanding of what's in it, it just has an immense understanding of how language connects to other parts of language. So, yeah, at the moment. It's not super useful. Um, I've I've tried Chat GPT for a sort of couple of things behind the scenes, just for like research stuff. You're like, oh, tell me about so and so. And he's like, well, that's wrong. That's hmm. no fucking good, is it? Delete. You know. Hmm. Um, but as it comes round, a friend of mine who writes a lot has said has found it very useful for changing grammatical stuff. Hmm. Like that's something they had to change from first third person to first person, and they put it in. It just did it instantly. And, easily. and I mean, they could have done it themselves in probably 10 minutes, but it saved them 10 minutes, hmm. you know, because it, it's perfect at doing that and for finding out those synonyms or something and rewording stuff. But uh, people who think you're just going to get this up in five years time and go, I want a film with the Flash and Batman and Godzilla in. And they all have sex on the top of Mount Etna, and then I come in and I am God, and it is two hours long, and the effects are great. Make film that ain't gonna work, (laughs) you know. And if it does, imagine the dialogue.
0: I just wonder sometimes with you know with with content, it might be a little bit too tempting for people to uh, perhaps get you know, AI to do a bit too much heavy lifting for them, but... um Oh, it'll
1: happen. It's probably already started, even in video. I'm, I'm sure there's sites now where you can basically say, generate video, and you'll have a vaguely convincing voice, a vaguely convincing sort of image of a person, and a script that at least makes sense grammatically, mm-hmm. you know but yeah. it's it's not really gonna push out anything of use as yet yeah. um mm. you need the problem is especially when it comes to the image generation stuff, you have to put so much work in to get something out. It, would probably be quicker, easier and cheaper to get an actual artist
0: to do it, you know. It's like a video fit, isn't
1: it? So uh... forty million prompts later. Oh look, that's pretty good. Like, yeah, but you know, this took you a year.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that's Freddie Mercury. <laughs> yes. that's no, excellent. So um have you got any uh, plans for for things in the future saying that knowing that you have something coming up in Colchester in august um but do you have any 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 more projects
1: yeah we've got got our little live show in colchester we'll probably do a few more of those that's more for something to do for us for our own amusement almost well and hopefully the audience as well Well, that's a bonus (laughs) but it's just nice to do something different um if not you get stuck in the sort of rut of it but uh yeah we're now um beginning free production on our next feature film so that's going to be the big thing for some time at least behind the scenes
0: yeah. Oh, right. can you tell us any more around. about that at this stage
1: i can yeah we're doing a horror film we're um, not doing ashen's three um although well, we will do that at some point because everybody wants to do a trilogy um <laughs> yeah we we sort of did this we had these ideas and we did a horror short a few years ago uh pre-covid which did incredibly well and we won all sorts of festival awards um riyadh the director co-writer won best director at the british horror awards so we're like we might be onto something here. So I've been throwing, well, we've both been throwing ideas around for a long time. We got sort of very inspired by a lot of folk horror stuff. And uh, Riyad came up with a twist of the way of storytelling the other day, which, well, I say the other day is about two months ago now, but um, it got us very excited um and it's also going to make it horrendously complicated (laughs) it's something people don't do because it's so difficult Uh, we do tend to do this for ourselves our last comedy film was a heist film like this the heist is one of those difficult things to write because of the way they have to fit it we had like flow charts and god knows what to make sure it made sense you know and you have to be so careful with the editing of the film so you don't cut out something that makes something else you know why do we make things difficult but there we are that's that's the challenge and that's what we enjoy i think ultimately Ah. when it comes together at the end there's nothing else like
0: it you know. so how are are you funding that through um uh through crowdfunding or or is that getting funded
1: we will crowdfund, but i don't know what percentage of the budget that will be mm. because we wouldn't make the full budget for that through crowdfunding so um we shall see how we go on that mm.
0: yeah so so that's a case of watch this space with the with with, with the uh with that particular project then and uh, I'll look forward to seeing more of that the, um, so, the catalogue then, it's, um, can, w- what sort of format that going to take?
1: Literally, me and comedian Ash Frith will sit down with a screen showing Argos catalogue pages and we'll talk about them.
0: Mm. And, it
1: really <laughs> is as simple as that. Although, it's one of those things where the catalogue is really just a jumping off point. Yes. I mean, we do this on Twitch, and some some weeks we will spend three hours talking and we've only covered like four pages <laughs> or something mm. do you know what i mean because we've just gone off on every tangent and you've also got the um live chat on twitch obviously so you go in and out of that mm. and yeah yeah
0: yeah how do you keep up with the comments on your twitch channel i mean they seem to go at about a million miles an hour for me i'm not sure if that's uh, because i'm trying to trying to watch it on some outdated technology or whatever but how do you keep up
1: i i've never really had a problem it's, it's never quite reached the level where i couldn't keep up with it mm. um Maybe sometimes for very short periods, but it, it's still not quick enough to completely throw me off as yet. Mm. Um, so I, I think we're sort of at that level. But I have seen, obviously, I've been in like the big Twitch streamers things, and like you can't see anything; it's just literally flying up the screen. You're like bloody hell! You know, no wonder people are paying money to be seen by them because. It's not physically possible for them to read the messages if not, you know. God.
0: So is that how the model works? Because um, I think I get a Twitch subscription with Amazon Prime. So what what what, what would that do for a subscriber?
1: Um, basically, the most important thing for a subscriber is, one, it gives money to the person you subscribe to, so mm-hmm. you've got the sort of support of it there, and two, turns off all the ads on that channel.
0: Right. So how do we go about subscribing to your Twitch channel then, uh, Stuart?
1: Uh, you would go to twitch.tv/ashens and press the subscribe button, but please watch a few streams first to see if you like it, because <laughs> it's weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, I can vouch for that, but it's good weird. It's weird in a in a in an awesome type of way. So uh, that that that's something I enjoy. And um, and tattlelog in Colchester. Um, I think that's is it the 25th of August. I can't remember precisely. I think it's around about that sort of time.
1: That's a good question. Hang um, on, I'm, I'm going to double yeah. check.
0: And see if you have got any tickets left while you're at it, because that's what I'm going to ask you.
1: <laughs> oh, I'll have to I check. I think it might have well sold out because it's a
0: very, it's a, it was a, a, a nice price at the, a good size venue.
1: Yes, it's a, it's basically at a gaming cafe.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, where are we? It's uh, 25th of August. Yeah, 8 p.m. Friday, 25th of August, hmm. and. I can now live check the amount of tickets left right at this second. Brr, da, 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 da. There are five tickets left.
0: Five <laughs> tickets left.
1: Yeah. Um, if you go to tatalog.ashens.com. tatalog.ashens.com.
0: tatalog.ashens.com. Yeah.
1: Well, Unfortunately, it may have sold out by the time this podcast
0: goes up. But no. So with with the films, um, yeah, what are your main influences? What, what did you grow up watching?
1: Oh, I loved Monty Python. Monty Mm -hmm. Python was huge for me growing up. Um, Big fan of the sort of Spielberg things, uh, films when I was a kid. Uh, God, everything. Just really liked films. Mm. So an awful lot of different um, sort of inspirations there. And TV-wise, yeah, Monty Python was great. and was always being repeated, so that was handy. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Day-to-Day is one of my favourite things ever, called sort of uh, news piss-take might be my favorite thing i do love anything that's a proper um parody stroke satire of an existing format that works really well and is a bit surreal mm. so um look around you is absolutely fantastic as well that hit that on the head mm-hmm. um the day to is the best anything along those lines is my absolute favorite kind of stuff but um but I do enjoy some sitcoms and stuff as well, because mm. Christ, when we were kids, we watched whatever was on telly, didn't we? Because, you know, oh. you didn't have that much of a choice.
0: Oh, absolutely. I always remember sort of like um, whatever was on at nine o'clock on Friday night on Channel 4 was always the thing, wasn't it? It was Cheers and then, then Roseanne, um and, and things like that. Yes. And then you had Whose Line Is It Anyway afterwards. And, uh, you know, with, with only the four channels, you know, you, you're either sort of like a like a, a pseudo-intellectual watching Channel 4, or you were really into Guardian on BBC Two, and that was about it, really.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your, your choices are Monty Don or the Dangerous Brothers. Yeah, it's, it's a bit different,
0: really. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and this is Vim. <laughs> I remember that. That was yeah. brilliant. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I even ended up watching a few more episodes of 30-something the other day, which was, um, you know... You are sort of like, yeah, m- maybe I get it now. I'm, I'm like close to fifty something, but no, I still don't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was one of those things, thirty something. I remember making, seeing that and thinking, oh, that sounds old. And yes. Now I'm like ten yeah. years beyond that.
0: And... <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, it's very nice yeah, yeah it. it's all a bit. Mm. 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 It but hurts. yeah, no, it, it does a bit. But um, oh, just uh, thank you very much for 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 today and uh, speaking to me, Stuart. But there's just one thing that I need to ask you before we do close down, and uh, it's just bothering me because I've I've been speaking to somebody else on a Discord, and they've showed me a major Morgan. And oh, I don't know classic. what one is, and I, I think you're you're the person to ask. So can you explain to me, like, from someone who never owned a Major Morgan, but might have seen one? It was sort of like a a blue majorette or something like that, and I, I just don't what what was it?
1: That is exactly what it was. Little, it was in the same sort of wheelhouse as the oh little prof, not quite little professor. Yeah, damn the Texas it, Instrument professor
0: calculator, and he looked like um big mustache on the front.
1: Yeah, there's another one called oh I can't remember what it was it was like a little orange silhouette of a child with glasses on called clever clogs or something. My sister one to that. Major Morgan is effectively a music toy for kids. Basically, every different button on it is just a different note. It is huh. as simple as that. It's like a keyboard where the keyboard is weird letters and numbers and you would put little overlays on it with um colors on. And then you would look at your sheet that would say, to play London Bridges Falling Down, press the colours in this order. And it goes, beep, 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 beep. And mm. that was Major Morgan. Yeah.
0: Oh, thank you so much, because I've never actually encountered one with a battery in it. I think we we had one at school. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it was just always looked a little bit battered and, and, and uh, yeah, in a lot of ways in, in, in a poor state. But, yeah, so I, I sort of dived in saying, oh, it's a bit like the Professor Calculator because I was given one of them as a child. Um, I was about sort of like five, I think. I figured out I was terrible at maths and took it apart. You'd see mm-hmm. a picture of it but not really understood
1: what it did. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, well, well speaking of Argos, it's actually um, you can you can sort of like date stamp an Argos by its thickness, can't you? um you know it's sort of like the 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 more the the more you got into the modern years the thinner the, the catalog got
1: <laughs> oh god yeah i spent hours with the sort of 80s ones just looking through the bloody toy pages again mm. and mm. again and i think anyone from that era probably you can all as soon as you see that page you're like oh god yeah mm. i must have spent three hours looking at that you know yes yeah, madness. Mm, so, speaking of length, I've got one here from Autumn Winter nineteen ninety seven, leading into ninety eight. It's over five hundred pages.
0: I hope we'll find out what they're selling when I go to the um, go to the venue in Colchester, uh, Stuart. So, and uh, are you asking anyone to bring their catalogues in, or is it sort of like uh, no, don't <laughs> don't don't bother? Oh we'll...
1: Will provide that because they're so bloody expensive now. Old Argos catalogues,
0: are they really?
1: Real pricey on eBay, yeah. I don't have a single um, original one; they're all scans.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably a good note to round off on. Then, if anyone's got an Argos catalog underneath their uh, un- underneath their bed, propping their bed up, they could probably sell the catalog and buy a new bed. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> that's excellent. Well. Uh, well, thanks very much uh, uh, for for joining me today, Stuart. I, I really appreciate it, and um, hopefully, um, I can uh, I'll speak to you again at some time in the future. No, thanks very much for Thanks again to Stuart for agreeing to be a guest on the podcast, and the music you're listening to on this podcast is from Mister Nisness and his VHF album. Uh, you can get him on mrnisness.bandcamp.com that's m-r-n-i-s-s-n-e-s-s as in business and uh, don't forget you can also join the discord um, if you want to leave any thoughts or anything you can do there or you can find me on x twitter um, at teletextar I hope you do enjoy listening to these podcasts as much as I do making them it is only a hobby but if you do want to get a coffee they'll go towards the um, hosting costs uh, you can do so, Dr No Vocal cords and Meat lotion have, and thanks again for their support. By High No Limit was presented by me, Carlos, and remember, until next time, keep it blocky. You're still here? It's over. Go home. No!